Turn with me in your Bibles, if you please, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. We want to talk about maintaining a spirit-filled life. Maintaining a spirit-filled life. Well, we'll bring you greetings from Rema, Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria has a population of about 200 million people. And um, it's the most populous black nation in the world. It's been said that for every four black people you see, one is a Nigerian. That's quite a number. Yeah, that's quite a number. And um, Rayma started there officially October 2010 was when we had our first classes, had 88 students enrolled. Now we have our enrollment figure is over 3,000 now. And um, we have campuses in Abuja, in Port Harcourt. Port Harcourt is in the south-south. Then we have another one in Kaduna. Actually, two campuses in Kaduna. Kaduna is north of Abuja. And it's actually a part of the northern Nigeria. We have an English campus. We have a Hausa campus. People come from the Hausa campus from even out of the country, from Niger Republic. And um, the impact that Rema has had is quite some in the nation just in less than 10 years. And um, we started a campus in Lagos this January, and that campus, we're almost outgrowing the facility that we're using for that already. Praise God, and this is just the beginning. We've had amazing things happen. Through our, for instance, through our um, students and alumni, we have eight cases that I know of, of people who had died, pronounced clinically dead, that have been brought back to life. Eight that I know of, you know. And it's through the same teachings of God's word and um, so much that's happening, so much that's happening in the, in the country, so much. We have um, people who, uh, there was a senator or someone who used to be in the Senate, came as a student, is a graduate now. We have some top influencers who are coming to get a hold of God's word. We have senior pastors. We have um, uh, represented in our student body, we have over 500 churches. Over 500 churches. And we know this is just the beginning of what um, we're going to see. Your pastors, they were in Nigeria. They taught in Abuja campus. They were such a big, big blessing uh, to us. Thank you for sending them. We appreciate you all. We're grateful for your prayers, your love, and we know that greater days lie ahead. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. I'll just read from verse 18 through to 21. It says there, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now that first verse we read, it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Now some other translations render that a bit differently. One says, Wherein is debauchery. Another says, Wherein is dissipation. Another says, wherein is riotous living? Now folks get drunk on stuff, on liquor, use drugs, and then they act up. You know, they, the spirit that they are partakers of, you know, they take spirits 
And then they display such a spirit. Praise God. What the Bible is saying, we shouldn't be drunk on that. But instead, we should be drunk with the spirit. We should be being filled with the spirit. Praise God. Now, Greek scholars tell us that there's actually a play on words there. That a literal Greek says, be being filled with the spirit. And the Amplified Translation brings that out. Be ever filled with and stimulated with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So you see, God wants us to stay filled with the Spirit. That's His plan. That's His purpose. Well, I remember November 21. November 21 of 1991. In case you want to know, it was a Saturday. I was praying. And I was just seeking the Lord. Lord, okay, I'm a Christian. Been involved with ministry. What's your plan? What's your purpose? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to, to um, do my spiritual life? And what's your plan? How can I be the best Christian that you want me to be? How can I be the most effective minister that I can be? I, I was praying even with some fasting. And then that Saturday about 7 p.m., 7, 7.30 p.m., I had a vision. And in that vision, I saw written on a piece of paper in front of me I just saw these two lines full of the word and full of the Holy Ghost so I knew hmm, this must be what God is saying that he wants me to be full of his word and full of his spirit and if I'll do that I'll be the kind of Christian he wants me to be and I'll be effective in the ministry now of course you know we're word people we put the word first Colossians 3.16a says let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom praise God Now, to be full of the word is to soak up God's word like a sponge. So that no matter what touches us in life, the word of God comes out. Amen. If you get touched by criticism, the word comes out. Get touched by the praises of men, the word comes out. You get touched by sickness and disease, the word comes out. God just wants us to be full of his word. But you see, and we put the word first. However, just being a word person is not enough. He wants us to be people of the word and people of the Holy Ghost. I like the way someone put it. I heard this first from Pat Harrison. She said, they said, just the word and you might dry up. Just the spirit and you might blow up. But with the word and the spirit, you get to grow up. Amen. So God wants us to grow and be all that we can be in him. And like we said, we're looking at maintaining a spirit-filled life. What does it mean to stay full of the spirit? Romans 12, 11 sheds light on that. It says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Fervent in spirit. The Revised Standard Version says, maintaining the glow. Amen. So God wants us to maintain the spiritual glow. Have you ever seen a Christian and someone asked about him and someone else said, well, that guy is just on fire for God. Well, what are they talking about? What they're really saying is that he's fervent in spirit. He's aglow in the spirit. He's maintaining a spirit-filled life. Really, maintaining a spirit-filled life is maintaining our spiritual life. It's maintaining our spiritual health. And it will affect our mental health as well as our physical health. Amen. That's the plan of God. That we stay filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. And that we live like that continually. You know, sometimes in our Christian life, you know, we could get to a place where reading the Bible becomes drudgery. You know, it just becomes a chore. Coming to church becomes, oh, 
it's time to go to church again. We kind of drag our feet. You know, okay, they say we ought to serve. All right, let's serve in church so that they won't say we didn't serve. They say we should pray. Let's pray so that they won't say we didn't pray. Oh, let's, let me read my Bible again so at least, you know, I can tick the box. I read the Bible. And those things can get to a place where they become just out of a sense of duty. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to be on fire. An earnestness. A passion about God. About the things of God. We're excited. Praise God. Our hearts are into it. And you see that's what the spirit filled life is all about. Now Paul wrote that letter to the church at Ephesus. And he told them he said. Be filled with the spirit. Now the first thing that comes to you is Paul. Did you have amnesia? Did you lose your memory or something? Didn't you get those folks filled with the Spirit in Acts 19, 6? You know, Acts 19, from verse 1, it says, And while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came unto Ephesus, finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost as ye believed? They said, If not so much as heard, whether there be any Holy Ghost, said unto what then were ye baptized? Said unto John's baptism. He said, John verily baptized, saying they should believe on him, that's the common fame that is on Jesus. The Bible says, and they believed and they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Verse 6 says, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Verse 7, the number of the men was about 12. So that was quite a sizable group, right? So Paul got them filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 19.6. However, he now writes the same bunch a letter, and he tells them, be filled with the Spirit. Now, what's he driving at? Why is he saying that? You see, there is one initial infilling with the Holy Ghost. But God's plan is that there be subsequent refillings with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Where to stay constantly filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. You know, like the song goes, just one dose of the Holy Ghost is not enough for me. Amen. The memory of yesterday's drink. You know, folks who drink stuff out in the world. You know, let's say the guy got drunk yesterday. You know, goes to sleep, has a hangover. The memory of yesterday's drink isn't going to get him drunk today. The memory of yesterday's food is not going to get you filled today. If you're going to be filled today, you need to drink again today. Amen. In John 7, 37 to 39, the Bible says in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Said he that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The Bible says, But this speaking of the Spirit, who they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So being filled with the Holy Ghost is likened to drinking. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So we need to drink constantly, drink constantly, drink constantly. Then Ephesians 5 talks about wine. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Now, that brings something to mind. Remember the day of Pentecost. Acts 2, from verse 1. Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, filled all the house where they were sitting. They appeared unto them, cloven tongues like as a fire, sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they got filled with the Holy Ghost uh, on the day of Pentecost. 
Well, then we see the reaction of the people, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in their own tongues, the wonderful works of God, and so on. And then we go to verse 14, where the Bible says, And Peter, standing with the eleven, said, These are not drunk, as ye suppose. Say this, but the third hour. Now, Peter didn't say they weren't drunk. He only said they aren't drunk, as you suppose. You know, because it says, Others standing, verse 13, mocking, says, These are full of new wine. Now, if the only thing they did was to speak in tongues, the people wouldn't have thought they were full of new wine. Remember Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 21, 22, that if we all come together speaking in tongues, and those who are unlearned come, they will say we are mad. No, those folks, they didn't say they were mad. They said they were drunk. So they must have drunk some things that drunk people do. Yeah, like you just did now. They must have been laughing and dancing and staggering. Amen. Praise God. Amen. But you see, wine there is likened to the Holy Ghost. Amen. New wine. And the thing about wine is we need to drink and drink and drink again to stay filled up. Now, the day of Pentecost, they got filled with the Holy Ghost, right? But then we read in Acts 4, from verse 23 to 31. After Peter and John had been, you know, they got that man healed by the gate beautiful. And then the Sanhedrin got mad because someone got healed. You know, folks, religious folks still get mad when people get healed. They still try to deny the supernatural. And um, they flogged them, told them not to speak or preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And then we get over to chapter 4, verse 23. The Bible says, I'm being let go. They went back to their own company. Reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And the Bible says, And when they had heard, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And said, O Lord, thou art God, who has made the heavens, the earth, the seas, and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David had said, Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. Kings of the earth stood up. Rulers were gathered. Pontius Pilate together with the children of Israel against that child, that holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, to do what thy counsel and tell me before to be done. Said, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Verse 29. Said, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be wrought by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God of boldness. Now I thought they got filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2.4. How come he says in Acts 4.31 that they got filled with the Holy Ghost again? Well, it's the same point. That's New Testament pattern. There is one initial infilling, but God's plan is that there be subsequent refillings. Subsequent refillings. And we stay filled with the Holy Ghost constantly. That's the plan of God. You know, it's like your phone battery. You know, sometimes that phone, the battery begins to run down. You know, and if that battery is flat, you're not even going to be able to as much as get someone's number on that phone to call the person on another phone. Nothing is going to work. Amen. Praise God. So sometimes our spiritual batteries run on low. But that's not the plan of God. He wants us to stay charged up to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's his plan. That's New Testament pattern. Psalm 92 verse 10. The psalmist said this. He said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. He said, my horn shall thou exalt like that of the unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Amen. So we need a freshness of the Holy Ghost in our lives. D.L. Moody said, living on past experiences is like living on stale manner. You know, sometimes 
folks say in the good old days well thank God for the good old days but we're not in the bad these days amen these days too can be good can even be better the Bible says the path of the just shines brighter and brighter as unto a perfect day amen brother Higgin used to say this that when Amy Semple McPherson passed on the glory now four square folks they had written at the pulpit Jesus the same yesterday today and forever but he said when uh, uh, Miss McPherson passed on to heaven and it was like folks had the attitude oh she's gone what are we going to do without her you know and he'll talk about yeah she may be gone but God is still here brother Hagin may be gone but the Holy Ghost ain't gone whoa glory to God he's still here amen so God wants us to stay on fire amen go from glory to glory we know the Bible says that the heavens must retain Jesus until the restoration of all things, the restitution of all things. So we know the greatest move of God on this earth hasn't been seen yet. The greatest deluge of God's power hasn't been seen yet. Amen. They didn't have one Holy Ghost in the Acts of the Apostles and we have another Holy Ghost now. He's not twins, he's not triplets. He's still the same Holy Ghost. And the glory of the latter house is going to surpass the former. Glory to God. So, God wants us to stay filled. Maintain a freshness. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, For which cause we think not, but though our outward man perisheth, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So God wants us to be renewed in our spirits by the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. Is it that we lose the Holy Ghost? No, we don't lose Him. He's in us. He abides with us forever. Jesus said that. But you see, we are filled with the Spirit to the degree that our spirits are charged with the presence and power of the Holy Ghost. So we draw that charge, we get filled, we go out in the hustle and bustle of life, ministry, service to God, and then it's as though the charge gets dissipated. And then what do we do? We go to recharge again. So that's the concept of staying spirit-filled. Now, what are the characteristics of this spirit-filled life? What are the characteristics? What are the marks that we can look out for in one who stays filled? Well, our scripture, text scripture, gives those marks. Ephesians 5, verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. 19 gives the first one, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I like to call that supernatural utterance supernatural utterance so the first mark that we see in scriptures of the spiritual life is supernatural utterance now we know this that every time a person gets filled with the Holy Ghost in this dispensation post the day of Pentecost they speak in tongues now were there people filled with the Holy Ghost before then yes but they didn't speak because tongues and interpretation is distinctive of this Holy Ghost dispensation but from the day of Pentecost, every time people got filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. Acts 2.4 And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then we see in Acts 10, from 44 to 46, While Peter yet speak, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard, and they that were of the circumcision. Many that came to Peter were astonished that in their circumcision also was poured out the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues, verse 46, and magnified God. Acts 19, 6, when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and prophesied. Acts 9, 
Uh, you read in verse 10, a certain disciple as Damascus, named Ananias, him said the Lord in a vision, Behold, Ananias said, I'm here, Lord. Arise, go to the street, which is the street, which is called Street, inquire in the house of Judas. So one called Saul of Tarsus, behold, he prayed. Asking the vision, a man called uh, Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias began to argue with the Lord. It looks like your iOS is not up to date on that guy. It looks like you haven't updated the the fresh, uh, fresh stuff on him. No, that guy is a persecutor of the church. He has letters. He's putting Christians in prison. But Jesus responds to him and says, Go thy way is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how great and mighty things he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 17 of Acts 9. It says, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared to thee on the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 18 says there, fell from his eyes scales. Now we're not told there that he spoke in tongues, but all a fellow needs to do is know how to read and know how to turn pages. In 1 Corinthians 14, 18, Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than he all. Now when did he start? He must have started when the rest of us did, when he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then we also see in Acts 8, Acts 8 from verse 5, it says, Philip went down to Samaria, pre-crashed unto them. The people gave heed to one accord, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits came out with loud voices, and men that were possessed, men that were lame, had the palsy, were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Now, verse 12 says, and uh, when they had heard the things that he preached concerning the, name of, uh, the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus, to have baptized both men and women. Verse 14 says, And when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And then we see in verse 17, they laid hands on them, they prayed for them, they received the Holy Ghost. Well, we're not told there that they spoke in tongues, but verse 18 of Acts 8 says, And when Simon the sorcerer saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay my hands, I may receive the Holy Ghost. And Peter answered him, Thy money perish with thee, for thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast in thy lot nor part in this matter. Now, church history tells us that they spoke in tongues in Samaria. But even if you didn't know any church history, Simon, who was a sorcerer, the Bible says when he saw, when he saw, what did he see? He didn't see the Holy Ghost any more than you did. Amen. The Holy Ghost is not, he's invisible. We don't see him. But what did he see? There must have been something that registered to his senses. And besides, when Peter told him, you have neither lot nor part in this matter, the root word matter there actually speaks of in this matter of utterance. So we know they spoke in tongues in Samaria. So every time people got filled with the Holy Ghost, initial evidence and baptism in the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. Now, am I saying if you haven't spoken in tongues, you don't have the Holy Ghost? No, I'm not. We know there's a dual working of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. First at the new birth. Then at the baptism in the Holy Ghost. The baptism in the Holy Ghost is subsequent to the new birth. Amen. When we're born again, we're born of the Spirit of God. But then, that same spirit that we partake of in the new birth, we can get filled with him. And when we get filled with him, there will be an overflowing. We'll speak in other tongues. Praise God. And that Pentecostal experience is still available today. And like we said, every time people got filled with the Holy Ghost, the initial experience, the initial evidence is this. They always speak in tongues. So, if I'm going to stay filled with the spirit, if I'm going to maintain a spirit-filled life, then I need to continue to speak in other tongues. I need to continue to speak in other tongues. I heard something, you know. I read this from uh, a book by John G. Lake. 
He said this. He said, tongues is the making of my ministry. Ooh, that got my attention. And then they asked Smith Wigglesworth, what's the secret of your success? They asked him, they said, is it an education? He said, he didn't have any. He was an old school plumber. He said, is it pulpit etiquette? He said, he's never heard the word before. You know, what's that about? Then they actually said, what's the secret of your success? He said, well, I defy myself two hours in tongues in the afternoon, and I go to the meeting at night, and I defy the people. Now, of course, you can't edify someone if you haven't been edified yourself. I heard Brother Higgins say this in that mini book, White Tongues. He said he found that the more he prays and worships God in other tongues, the more the manifestations of other gifts of the Spirit he sees in his life. I said, really? Then, those camp meeting evenings, I, I heard him say this, that before those meetings, he spend an hour or two just talking in tongues. Hmm. I said, okay, just an hour or two. And then they had such phenomenal things. I said, what if I do three? What about four? Five wouldn't be a bad idea. What of six? What of eight? And then I gave myself to praying ridiculous hours in tongues. I tell you, there was one time I talked in tongues 24 hours straight. Yeah. I read where Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And I just felt like I don't want him to be able to quote that scripture when I get to heaven. <laughs> Amen. And I tell you something. There is something it does to us. It charges us up. It builds us up. You know, some of us got filled with the Holy Ghost and we thought that was the end. No, that was just the beginning of a different flow, of a fuller flow, of a stronger flow into the things of God. And I won't deceive you. I've seen that it has enriched my life strong. It has helped me big time. Before I met my wife, a month before I met her, met her actually I started praying about settling down. That look, I ought to settle down. I'm, I'm getting to be quite an old man. I ought to settle down. You know, I ought to settle down. I ought to get settled. So I began to put in some extra time praying in the spirit about getting married. And then one morning, you know, I had a dream. In the dream, I saw I was in a Christian social gathering. And there was this lady that came to give me a peck on my lips in the dream. And then I woke up. As soon as I woke up, I just had a witness. That lady you saw is your wife. You know? About a month after, it was Valentine's Day. Uh, the church I was a part of were having a Christian program. I, I, I told the dream to a few friends of mine, you know, and I just forgot about it. You know, when we were having that Valentine's program, I kind of felt like, oh, can't we be praying? Must we come and be doing this Valentine's stuff? You know, yeah, God wants us to be spiritual, but there's also a natural side of life. Like Pastor Higgins says, is when you combine the natural with the supernatural, that will become an explosive force for God. Amen. You know, and then in circumstances that will amaze you, you know, it will amaze you. If I told you the detail, you know, they actually, they did something that you pick someone's shoe, some ladies will come, drop their shoe, you pick a shoe. The lady who owns the shoe you picked will come and she will ask you to do something. Sing a song, take her for a date. You know, well, I happen to have picked somebody's shoes. And the person happens to be my wife today. <laughs> yeah. You see that, that's quite unusual, right? But you see, praying in the spirit. And then I described her. I told two friends of mine, said, this is who I saw. This is what she looked like. Up till that time, I had never met her. But God showed her to me before I ever met her. Amen. So you see, we're able to pray out the plan of God, the purpose of God, pray out the future. 
1989, I knew that Rayma was going to come to Nigeria one day. And I knew I was going to have something to do with it. I knew it. I knew it. Amen. You see, by praying in the spirit, amen, we're able to pray out the plan of God, the purpose of God. And God will give us insight into the future. Insight into things that are to come. Amen. So like we said, the first mark of the spirit-filled life, supernatural utterance. So continue to speak in tongues. Amen. Continue to pray in other tongues. Jude 20 says, But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now praying in the Holy Ghost is not going to give us faith. God's word is what gives us faith. But praying in the Holy Ghost will stimulate the faith we have. Amen. Like some folks go to do drugs so they get stimulated by that spirit and do stuff. We can get stimulated by the Holy Ghost and do the right stuff. Amen. Praise God. And not just speaking in tongues. The Bible also says in Acts 4.31, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and speak the word of God in boldness. Amen. So, you know, sometimes we feed on the word, we build God's word into our spirits. And there are times the Holy Ghost just inspires us to speak that word. So filled with the Holy Ghost, we'll speak in tongues, we'll speak the word of God with boldness. Then we also see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul, writing to the saints at Corinth, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, the word gifts is in italics, meaning it's not there in the original. It says, I will not have you ignorant. Now, the original just says spirituals, things often pertaining to the Holy Ghost. Now, if God doesn't want or didn't want the church at Corinth ignorant about the things of the Holy Ghost, he sure doesn't want any church anywhere, in America, in Nigeria, anywhere, ignorant about the things of the Holy Ghost. Verse 2 says, Ye know that you are Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Those idols were dumb. They couldn't talk. Verse 3 now says, But I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord or by the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost comes upon a person, either in the new birth, you know, to convict him of sin, you know, he has to confess that Jesus is his Lord. Or in the baptism in the Holy Ghost, he comes on him, he speaks in other tongues. Or in maintaining a spiritual life, one of the first things he does is he inspires the person to speak. So we need to continue to speak. Pray in other tongues. Speak the word of God of boldness. Hold fast our confession of the Lordship of Jesus. And then in verse 19 of Ephesians 5, we see another dimension. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Well, what are these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? They come by the spirit of prophecy or through tongues and interpretation. In 1 Corinthians 14, 13, Paul said that let him who speaks in tongues pray that he may interpret. Now, that's not talking about interpreting in public. That's talking about in our private prayer lines. See, God wants us to take advantage of these things in our private prayer lives. You know, it goes on in verse 14 to say, 1 Corinthians 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupy the room of the unlearned say amen? Are thy giving of thanks? See me understanding all thou seest. Really, the context of it is that I will pray with the spirit, 
and I'll pray the interpretation of what I prayed in the spirit. I'll pray it out with my understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I'll sing out the interpretation of what I sang in the spirit. I'll sing it with my understanding. So either through tongues and interpretation or by the spirit of prophecy, God wants us to continue in this flow of the Holy Ghost. Now, the springboard really into the deeper things of God's spirit is to be being filled with the spirit speaking. That's the springboard. That's the key. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, the Bible says, quench not the spirit. Verse 20 says, despise not prophesying. 21 says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Now, you don't want to just take a prophecy because somebody said it. You want to judge it and prove it out with the word of God and with the witness of God's spirit in your spirit. But you see, it says, one of the ways to quench the move of the spirit is by despising prophesying. If that's so, and prophecy is just inspired utterance in a known language. So that tells me something. If I'm going to fan the flame of the move of the Spirit, I need to encourage inspired utterance. So there's something about continuing to speak. Amen. Inspired utterances in tongues, with interpretation of tongues, in prophecy. Brother Higgin talked about one time he was in this meeting. He said he gave a message in tongues. The pastor interpreted it. He gave another one. The presbyter interpreted it. said, all of a sudden, there went this sound in that building. Hush! Like a wind. And instantly, everybody who wasn't saved got saved. Everybody who wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost got filled with the Holy Ghost. Started talking in tongues. Everybody who was sick, there was one man on a, he was on a, a stretcher. He just got up instantly healed. Amen. See, something about inspired utterance. It fans the flame of the move of the Spirit. It takes the service to a higher dimension. It enriches our own private spiritual lives. You know, really, the best encourager of you is you. That's just the truth. You know, sometimes we're in a situation, you're in trouble, and you need to get a hold of someone to encourage you. The good news is you have someone who can encourage you. His name is the Holy Ghost. He's living on the inside of you. Glory to God. And he's bigger than any test. He's bigger than any trial. He's bigger than any challenge. And we can draw strength from him in our lives. Now, what's a psalm? A psalm actually is a spiritual poem or an ode. It may rhyme or it may not. But usually there's an element of poetry to it. It may be song. It may be chanted or it may be recited. The book of Psalms came that way through inspired utterance by the Holy Ghost. David wrote about 74, 75 of them. Others wrote the others, but they're all inspired by the Holy Ghost. Now, when Paul told the church at Ephesus to speak in Psalms, he wasn't talking about the book of Psalms. Now, that was a Gentile church. They didn't have access to the Old Testament scroll. Besides, they didn't have printing presses. So they didn't have all those hymns. You know, there's one in Nigeria, we call it Songs of Praise. 444 of Songs of Praises. All things bright and beautiful. All creatures great and small. You know, 636. And that one is Rock of Ages, Clep for Me. Let me hide myself in thee. Thank God for those hymnals. Some of them are good. Some of them are embalmed with unbelief. Praise God. But you see... We can speak those things out by the Holy Ghost. Scriptural ones. Amen. A hymn is a song of worship addressed to God. A spiritual song is a song that brings forth the revelation of what the Holy Ghost is saying. At the spur of the moment. Many times in Brother Higgins' Holy Ghost meetings, Brother Keith will come up. After Brother Higgins finishes teaching, he'll just sing a song. And the song will just emphasize just what was taught. Amen. Amen. 
And sometimes the song will have a stanza, first stanza, second stanza, chorus. Praise God. You see, God wants us to flow in those things. Amen. I don't believe we've sung all the songs that need to be sung. Amen. There are still some songs that they are singing in heaven that God wants earth to hear and God wants earth to sing. And we can just tap into the frequency of heaven and download them into our spirits and speak them out. And they'll bring such encouragement to our own lives and enable us to help others. Now, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2, in verse 4 and in verse 5. He said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. said that your faith shall not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, sometimes it's good if these things are demonstrated so we understand. Now, what am I going to do? I'm just going to pray some in the spirit. I'm going to fine-tune my spirit to the Holy Spirit who's living on the inside of me. And um, I'll just look inside. Amen. Now, the Bible says to stir up the gift of God that's in us. So I'm just going to do that. And you can watch me do it. Papreth, Varlet, Rosi, Krate, Lenda, Broto, Stefata, Parada, Fevene, Shistu. Yeah, as I was doing that, I could hear now. I can get that that easily because I practiced a bit. Amen. You know, First Corinthians fourteen twenty six says, "How is it, then, brethren? When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying." Because I've exercised myself some, it's easy for me to get into that. But the truth is, every one of us can do it, actually. Amen. As I was praying in tongues now, I heard the word light. Light. Now, that's all I have. I don't have any more. Look, anything that's supernatural, faith is going to have to be involved. Otherwise, it won't please God. So, I'm just going to speak that out. And I'm going to trust the Spirit of God to give me the rest. Amen. Light. Light. <laughs> light is in the Word. For the Word of God is light. As we walk in the light that is revealed to us on the pages of the Holy Writ. Yea, further light will come. Further illumination will come. Further revelation in the scriptures. And even concerning the plans and the purposes of God for our lives. So we don't have to wander and be in the dark. And grope about and seek for direction. But we know that within our spirits, the spirit of truth doth dwell. On our insides, the guide does reside. And he will give us light. He'll give us direction. And sometimes just by a witness, just a knowing on the inside. And as we walk in the light that he has revealed, in the direction that he has given, then more light will come and greater clarity. And we won't have to ask somebody, is this what the Lord is saying? We won't have to grope and, uh, and doubt and worry and be disturbed. But we'll know for a fact on our insides that we have heard from heaven. For we walk in the light. And in that light, there's no darkness. In that light, there's no confusion. In that light, there's no division. In that light, there's nothing but triumph. There's nothing but victory. For we are born of Him, God our Father, and He is the light. Amen. Now, do you notice something? That even the atmosphere of the meeting got lifted up. See, that's just what I'm saying. Inspired utterances. Inspired utterances. Uh, victory. Victory is mine, for I belong to God. Victory is mine, for the champion is in me. Yea, the champion of heaven came to this earth. He walked in the face of the earth, lived in our midst, took upon himself a body. And in every encounter he had with the enemy, he put him to flight. He put him on the run. He spoke the word, and by the word he won. He On that cross he went, and there he lay, and there he bled and died. Went to hell and brought the enemy to naught. Arose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And today he's the king of my heart. 
He's the victor and his victory is mine. His victory is ours. And as we learn to speak for that victory, nothing other than victory will manifest. For he will snatch the defeat and turn it around into victory. I will have much cause to be glad. <laughs> Taking a step and another step. Taking a step and another step. Taking a step and another step. And just walking one step of the way. Just going in the steps that we know. And doing that which we have received on our insides. Walking in that. Indeed, that's the peace that we need. And then we don't have to wonder about something else on the outside. For we know we are doing that which we should be doing. We know we are doing that which he has bidden. We know we are doing that which... He has said for us to do. And that's all it takes for the victory to come. For having done all to stand, we simply keep standing. We don't have to make it happen. We don't try to uh, cause it to happen. But all we do is we watch it happen. For we are standing our ground, having done all to stand. Amen. I was preaching one time. And somehow I seemed felt, it was like I was pulled to an individual in the crowd. I had him to stand. He stood. I put my hand on his head. He fell over. And um, I didn't know what that was about. Only for me to find out later it was a Muslim. And then he got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. By the time he hit the floor, he was talking in tongues. Somebody said, somebody said, but he didn't say sinner's prayer. Yeah, I wondered too. But you see, what's the answer to that? You remember when um, uh, Peter went to Cornelius' house? While Peter yet speak, the Holy Ghost fell. Well, if you give me a scripture, if you explain to me why that happened, then I'll have the answer for why this happened. Well, you don't have, I don't have either. Amen. Praise God. See, sometimes God will do some things just as a sign. Amen. God will do some things just to bless us, just to help us. Praise God. You see, faith in God's word always works, right? But you see, some people wouldn't get it on their faith. Sometimes there's a place of the Holy Ghost manifesting himself and the Holy Ghost demonstrating himself. And that's why we need to emphasize both. Praise God. Put the word first, but also contend for the move of God's spirit. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So supernatural utterance, speaking in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, I could do that all day. I could do that all night. Just edifying myself, charging up myself. Sometimes when I'm in trouble, when I'm faced with a situation, I just start speaking out of my spirit. Amen. Like that. And I draw strength. And you know, it's not just for the preacher. It's for every believer. Bible says, ye may all prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. One by one. Every one of us can flow in these things. So first mark of the spiritual life, supernatural utterance. Second one, verse... Uh, uh, 20 says giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ I like to call that perpetual thanksgiving yes. perpetual thanksgiving you know we can thank God no matter what comes our way no matter what happens or doesn't happen amen even in the face of trouble even in the face of trial you know the Holy Ghost is called the oil of joy it's not called the oil of sorrow amen it's called the oil of gladness it's not the oil of sadness Amen. I've never seen a, I've never seen a, a sad Holy Ghost. Praise God. Psalm 126. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. 
I know the Bible says a merry heart doeth good like medicine. Amen. Let me tell you something. You see, when the Holy Ghost is moving in a direction, you know what? You can just jump in on the floor. You can just jump in on the floor. Wigglesworth used to say this, that when the anointing is present, if you respond in faith and start in the flesh, said you'll wind up in the spirit. Amen. See, Brother Hagin used to be a very conservative person. It's just prim and proper, reserved. He said, they used to think if, if that, that dancing in the spirit thing, you know, if I ever do it, it'll have to be the Holy Ghost. It'll have to be the Holy Ghost. Then one day he said in the mid-40s, you know, he said he was just wondering, look, everybody else is getting in on this thing and getting blessed. He said, I'm going to get in on it too. Whoa, glory to God. He said by the time he jumped off the pulpit, he said his coattail stood, stood up. The Holy Ghost came on him. See, there's something about responding in faith. There's a yielding. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. What about us just lifting up our hands and giving him thanks? Say, buddy, I haven't finished your message. Well, I don't have to finish it. Praise God. It's more important to flow with the Holy Ghost. And just praise God. Just thank God. No matter the test. No matter the trial. No matter the challenge. You see, God is God. He's bigger than that problem. He's bigger than that circumstance. He's bigger than anything. Than everything. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And we can praise him. We can praise him. We can praise him. He's a good God. Glory to 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 God. Just daring. Just daring. Daring to do. Daring to stand on the word of God. Daring to act. Daring to take those steps in faith. Just to dare. You see, the Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But a power of love and of a sound mind. And so fear is not our portion. Fear is not our law. We refuse to be intimidated by the devil. We refuse to be intimidated by circumstances. Because we've got the greater one. See, the greater one is in you. No cause for fear. No cause for panic. Just step out and do that which you know to do. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Who's the person with the lump? Who's the person with the lump? A growth. All right, put your hand as close as you can to it. In the name of Jesus, I curse that thing. Dry up, wither, be no more. In Jesus' name. Whoa, glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Glory to God. 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 I'll say this. 1989. 1989. We'll be seated a bit. 1989, January. January 15. January 15 of 1989 was a Sunday. About 10 a.m. that Sunday morning. Now, there was a book I was studying. I just got through studying the book. I was getting off the bed. When all of a sudden I had a voice on the inside of me. 
The voice spoke up, still small voice of my spirit, picking it up on the Holy Ghost. It said this, it said, there's an anointing on your hands to minister to the sick. I thought to myself, where did that come from? What's that about? You know, I didn't think too much of it. A few weeks down the line, a minister walks up to me. He says, well, God told you this. And he quoted the exact thing. He said, but you didn't want to take it seriously. He's asking me to tell you he meant what he said. And he said what you meant. And he wants you to act on it. Well, later that year, March. March 22nd. March 22nd of 1989, in case you want to know, was a Wednesday. About 25 minutes past 7 in the evening. You know, that same voice spoke up and said this. said, I've given to you a ministry of laying on of hands. To lay hands on the sick and get them healed. And to lay hands on believers and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, I thought to myself, ministry of laying on of hands. I know of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Where's this laying on of hands ministry business? Well, later I got to studying and I saw in Acts 8, where Peter said that uh, Simon the sorceress, you know, when he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money, saying, give me also this power. Acts 8, 18 to 20. That on whomsoever I lay my hands, it might be filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter said, Thy money perish with thee. For thou hast thought that the gift of God. Now the Greek word for gift there is charisma. And it means miraculous faculty. So obviously there was a miraculous faculty that Peter and John had. Which Philip didn't have. That's why he sent for them to get those guys filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, when I saw that later. It was like, yeah, God looks like you knew what you were talking about. Well, December 5th. December 5th of 1991, in case you want to know, was a Thursday. I felt led in my spirit just to take some time off and wait on God. I just had the prompting on the inside of me, just to take some time off. Now, what was I praying about? Just ministering to the Lord, spending time alone with Him. So I did that. Um, Stayed off food, took just fluid. Now, the longest I've ever fasted in my life was three days. Always the third, by the third day, I got my answer and I quit. Amen. We should have some sense in fasting. The devil loves extremes. You know, you can fast until you get to heaven very fast. Amen. Yeah. Now, I've gone for months taking just one meal a day, but without food at a stretch, and I've never gone beyond three days. I always got my answer about the third. Well, first day, I prayed in the spirit about 12 hours, just ministering to the Lord, worshiping him, charging up my spirit. The next day, about 15. The third day, about 19. Well, because that was all I was doing, really. I just took some time off just to pray because I felt like God wanted me to do that. Third day of my fast, December 5, 1991, Thursday, five minutes to midnight. Yeah, I'm a good one to watch and pray. I can tell you what I was wearing. I was wearing blue khaki shorts. I can tell you the shirt I was wearing. I was wearing a linen shirt. It had some uh, gray and it had some pink. It's almost like yesterday. I can see it as I'm saying it. Then I heard that same voice speak up. And this is what it said. From this night onwards, what is known in my word as the gift of faith, together with the descending of spirits, when you're in the spirit, will be in very strong operation in your life. And that tangible anointing you minister under will come back to stay and it will be a hundred times stronger. Now, for some funny reason, the next day I ended up not having an appetite. So I prayed almost the whole day. The church I attended then, we had a prayer service, 6.30. So I went to church to pray. And um, by about 7.45 in the prayer meeting, I I stood up praying. All of a sudden, something strange happened to me. This is how it felt. It felt like somebody came from behind me and threw uh, uh, like an overcoat on me. It was my size. It wrapped around me. 
my head, my neck, my arms. It just wrapped around me and fitted into me. It was exactly my size. I felt like, what's this? Then the next thing, I had a sensation like on the inside of me, my spirit, like there was some odd shape, creepy thing moving inside me, my spirit. I could feel it. So oh, it's like, what's going on here? I stopped praying. It's like, what's this? I sat down. I was trying to figure it out. Then the next thing, something fell. It fell from up and hit my right elbow first. Then it hit my left elbow. I felt it like something will come from up, hit you like this and hit you. I felt it. And then from my shoulder blades to my palms in both hands, it felt like there were tubes, hundreds of tubes. And I could feel this thing like liquid electricity. I couldn't stand it in the natural. You know, I had to say, Lord, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. My eyes, it's like you hold a life wire with such high voltage. I felt it. It was that real. Amen. You know, I said, Lord, turn it off, turn it off. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Then I remembered, oh, this is what he was talking about yesterday. He meant it after all. Now, I knew enough about the power of God to know it can be stored in cloth. I was wearing a gray trouser that day. You know, I laid hands on that trouser when that power was... In manifestation, it was on like that for a few minutes, and um, it soaked into that trouser. I was taken to a boy who had Down syndrome, and like you slap your finger, I got healed. Amen. So I proved it. Now I've laid hands on folks. I remember one fellow I hadn't seen in one eye for nine years. When that power was in manifestation like that, I put that hand on him. This was another time in another meeting. I put that, my, my hand on that eye. And I just left it there for a while and then took it off. The eye popped open instantly. I've seen growths vanish. Now, I've never healed anybody yet. I can't heal a fly. It's Jesus who's the healer. One way, not the only way, Jesus heals. It's through the laying on of hands. Now, 1992, 1992, June the 1st. June the 1st of 92 was a Monday. About 11.30 that Monday morning, I was studying in my bedroom. For some reason, I happened to look out the window. I don't know why I did, when I did, you know, but I did. The moment I did, just like I can see you, I saw the Lord Jesus. He walked into the house where I was. He came upstairs to my bedroom. When he got there, he beckoned on me. And then he said to me, he said, let us go up at once. And then my body was lying there physically in bed, but I was gone, caught up. And then suddenly I was conscious of being before God's throne. We were tilted at an angle to that throne. Then he laid his right hand on my head. A few things that happened, a few things I saw, which I don't have to go into details of. Well, he laid his hand on my head, his right hand on my head. Uh, well, how do you know it was his right? I was there. I saw it. Amen. <laughs> I could see through the, the, the hole in his hands. Those holes are still there. And then he said to me, he said, I've called you specially and anointed you specially to do what I've called you to do. Now I want you to go in the strength of that call. Now, among other things, I minister with a tangible anointing of healing power. Like I said, I'm not the healer. Jesus is. Amen. These are, you know, when we stay filled with the Spirit, the Bible says you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The essence of the baptism in the Holy Ghost is so that we can be witnesses. Amen. So that we can be a blessing. And the truth is this. God wants all of us, every single one of us, we all have a place to feel in God's plans. You know, whether it's in the local church, everybody should be involved with the local church. Praise God. And just plug in and get involved in witnessing, in ministering, in doing whatever he wants us to do. We should all get involved. Yes. And then as we stay faithful, doing what God has called us to do, doing, being uh, a blessing, amen, what happens? He's able to move us into other things. Yes. Well, 
I said all that just to say this. You see, I was continuing to teach. Then all of a sudden, I got tongue-tied. I know from experience, when that happens, God is trying to get me to shut up. He wants to change the direction of the meeting. Amen. Which is what he has. He wants me to talk about this. If you're here today and you need hands laid on you for healing. Now, you don't have to have hands laid on you for healing. There are different methods of receiving healing. God's best, really, we can just act on God's word. First Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes we were healed. But you see, different people are at different levels of spiritual growth and development. And God wants people healed so badly, he made it available on all sides with different methods. One method is the laying on of hands. In Mark 16, 17 and 18, the Bible says, These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, sometimes it's instantaneous. Sometimes it's gradual. You know? But one thing is this. Keep the switch of faith turned on. Keep the switch of faith turned on. How do you do that? One young man had a viral infection. You know, when the minister to him, then I was praying for him. In the middle of my prayer, I stopped. He wondered why I stopped. I said, there's no use to continue praying. I felt that power leave my hand and go into your body. It went into you. So I know it, 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 it's in your body. This is what I want you to do. Just keep saying this. God's healing power is working in my body. It's affecting the healing and it curing me. God's healing power is working in my body. It's affecting the healing and it curing me. God's healing power is working in my body. Well, before the week was up, it was up. It's been over 15 years. It's still up. It disappeared. Doctors diagnosed stuff, but the power of God drove it out. Praise God. God's power is greater than sickness. Thinking now of a lady, cancer. You know, I didn't rush to minister to her. Heard her sit down, hear God's word, hear God's word, hear God's word. When I saw she was in place to receive, I laid hands on her with that power. Well, it went into her body. Praise God. And then they went, after a few weeks she went, they couldn't find a trace of it. God's power drove it out. There was another lady I'm thinking of now. She was scheduled for surgery the very next day. Well, I laid hands on her with that power. And I felt it gush out of my hand into her, her body. So I said, well, that power went into your body. Now, I won't, I've never told anybody yet to stop their drugs. I don't tell people to do that. The doctor is fighting the same devil the preacher is fighting. Sometimes the drugs can keep people alive until their faith can take a hold of their healing. Drugs won't heal you. They won't keep you from getting healed. But they can keep you alive until your faith takes a hold of your healing. Now, is there divine healing? Yeah, I've been able to stay healthy now. Last headache I had was in August of 1986. Amen. So I know that faith in God's word works. I know that God's word is medicine. I used to hear Brother Higgins say that. And I told myself, well, the same Jesus that died for his sicknesses died for mine. Amen. God didn't give them real righteousness in America. And by the time he got to Africa, the real was finished. And then he gave us the fake. No, God's word works the same. He's no respect of persons. So I know that works. I know that works. I used to be sick. I was so sick. Sick people called me sick. And believe me, that was pretty sick. I had all kinds of things wrong with me. My daddy walked in the hospital. My mother walked in the same hospital. I was in that hospital so much, you would have thought I walked there too. Amen. But from bronchial asthma to some paralysis in my hand to all kinds of things all kinds of things I had to have my head caught one time you know so much so much but you see I know that healing works I know that Jesus is the same yesterday today and forevermore now if you want hands laid on you for healing could you just put up your hand praise God now this is what I want you to do like the woman with the issue of blood did say this as hands are laid on me the power of God will come on me and I will be healed I'm taking my healing today 
I'm receiving my healing today. This is my day. See that lady I was talking about. She was scheduled for surgery the next day. So I told her, I said, well, can you wait and not do the surgery immediately? She said, she can. I said, all right, give it a week. And um, before you do the surgery, as I told her, just keep the switch of eight turned on. Before they do the surgery, let them do another scan and let them check it. Well, she did. The week after she went, they did the scan. They couldn't find it. Amen. Vanished. The power of God drove it out. Amen. You see, Jesus did that. Jesus did that. Now, if you want hands laid on you, just come boldly, come quickly. We'll put our hand on you and you will be healed.